Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 stand-up comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My special guest today is the wonderful comedian, Mr. Joe Lysett. Yes! Yes! Hello! You made, it. You made it! Finally! Finally a booking on a rich comic life! How are you? You alright, mate? I am very well, thank you. Well, I say that I've been doing, um, I'm trying to get big and strong because I've got nothing else to do. I've been doing lots of push ups and my, oh, I just did some and my arms are killing me. <laughs> but hang on, let me show you my big strong arms. Uh, <laughs> oh. There's, a, there's oh. a muscle there, I can just see. Just about to see it, there he is. One well, day. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that you're a guest. And uh, um, we're going to, I'm going to talk about your comedy career over the next 45 minutes or an hour or so. And I'd like yeah. to begin by asking you, how did you become a comedian in the first place? Uh, well, I suppose it's sort of out of embarrassment, which is where all the best things come from. <laughs> I went the I went to Manchester University and I went to the comedy store in Manchester um, with a friend of mine. He was like, oh, there's this great night on. It's called King Gong and people get savaged. <laughs> Have you ever been to a King Gong, Rich? Yes. I will tell you my King Gong story after Please, you I'd also it. like to know your thoughts on King Gong because yes. <laughs> mine are um, complicated, I suppose. Uh, so I went uh, along to watch and I was a big cider drinker at the time and I had quite a few pints of cider. And Mick Ferry was comparing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A great compare, great stand-up. And he said, oh, does anyone in the audience want to give it a go? And I thought I can do better than all these pricks. Oh, no. So I was like, yeah, I'll go up there. And um, I couldn't. I didn't have any any jokes. I had one joke that was deeply inappropriate, which I tried and got nothing. And then I fell off the stage because I was so drunk. And the friends that I went with were really embarrassed to be with me, obviously. And I think I was just so appalled by my own um, kind of uh, inability to do it. But I think something clicked in. And I was like, I'm going to have to prove these pricks wrong. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to do it. So uh, after that, I then really like wrote some stuff and rehearsed it and tried another gig, and that went thankfully a lot better. And I've been addicted ever since. It's just the best, isn't it? What What year was this that you did the King Gong? Oh, I was 19. I was born in 88, so 2009. I finished college no. in 1988. Sorry, 2007. <laughs> you finished college in what, I, I finished college in 1988. <laughs> a fine year, a, a vintage year. What well, are your thoughts on King Gong then? What well, do you think? Well, my, uh, I first came down to London in 1988 after college. I went to college in Stoke and I first went to the comedy store then in London and I also went to Man the one in Manchester. I know, I know them both really well. I've been to a few King Gongs, but my story involves the Free Edinburgh Fringe. I know the I know the bloke who runs the Free Fringe, and I go to yeah. Edinburgh every year. And the on the first year I was there, I thought to myself, I'm going to give stand-up comedy a go and do a gong show at the Edinburgh Festival. So <laughs> so I said to him, I said to him, yeah, I've got a script and all. He said, yeah, yeah, it's great. He said, we've got a um, an old folks gong show 
uh, on a Monday afternoon in the Haymarket, uh, which you can go on and you have to obviously stay as long as you can on. So I wrote this great long script and I thought it was really good and I walked out and the f there was three people in the crowd and um, uh, um, the first thing I said was, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I think uh, uh, I think I'm the absolute double of Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself because at the time I was. And yeah. some old bloke at the back just went, fuck off and got me <laughs> off. And I walked off to me on footsteps. And the guy oh, said, really? have another go, have another go. And the same thing happened. And I said, never say never again, but um, I will support these brave heroes forevermore. I think my place is in the audience. But... Uh, I, I I don't know what to think of them because you've only got three minutes and you've only got, you know, it's like live or die. It's like a horrible way to go in, mm. isn't it? To start off, certainly well, something like that. So, I, I thought, you know, um, for a long time, because I only ever did that first one. And then once I started doing stand-up properly, I never did it again. No. And I always felt at the time like it wasn't proper comedy, like... It, um, there are a lot of acts that are a bit more nuanced and a bit more um, uh, delicate, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would never thrive in that environment, and they'd just be shouted down because they don't get to a punchline quick enough. And I thought that was a real shame that that was yeah. kind of one of the key ways that people think you get into comedy is to kind of beat this baying mob of people, and that's never how I saw it. But um, I, sorry, I'm slightly distracted because my this is my cat Winston, and he. <laughs> And he, Bring him this, in if you want to. No, he wouldn't. Like, I'll introduce you to him. Winston. Is <laughs> Look, that's how rude Hello. he is. Hello. Hello, Winston. Hello. There we go. How are you? That's the best. I mean, that is really, that's a nice, that's a nice Winston. That's He's, brilliant. I'm, I got him at the start of lockdown as a, um, I said I'd look after him for two weeks. Yeah. He's still here and I'm allergic to him. <laughs> But I really love him. We've become really good friends. But he That's was brilliant. some of the cables and I thought he was going to electrocute himself. But he's actually just got very comfortable sat in front of the telly, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying um, about long shows. Yeah, but, um, so, now I just think they're really kind of... Um, uh, I, think there's a, I think there is a space for them. You know, yeah. I think it's kind of fun. So, I don't know, I just... Um, for a long time, I thought that was the only way into comedy was to yeah. do golf shows. And if people are watching this who want to get into comedy, that is one route... But there are loads of nicer routes as well. But if you want to kind of cut your teeth on a tough crowd, it's a good place to go. <laughs> so after your after this first show, did yeah. you then do a lot of five minute <clears throat> spots in pubs with friends to get your experience? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I, that's not accurate in that sentence is I didn't ever take friends. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> I made I made that mistake early on, and I won't make it again. Um, yeah, I always uh, I always kind of went alone, right? And I just liked having dates in the diary. I thought that looked cool. Yeah, like having on the website saying, "Oh, on the fourth of May, I'm going to Tipton. On the fifth of May, I'll be in Cradley Heath." And I loved having, even if these were the shittest gigs ever, I wanted <laughs> I wanted to just. It looked to people on the outside, I thought, like, I'm being booked. People want me. I'm like, I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. And so um, I just took any old piece of shit gig that I could get. 
and well, it's actually, all experience, that, isn't it? It's it was all experience. Such good experience. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I must have done. I don't know, maybe a hundred gigs in that first year, and wow. then I went to Edinburgh and probably did another hundred in one month in Edinburgh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all about gigging. It's all about yeah. getting that experience and that stage time. So I really went for it. I was that was that was me all over. Brilliant. Um, you're one of my favourite comedians, and you always make me laugh continuously when I see you live. Oh, thanks. What do you like to talk about on stage? Do you have any themes or? Um, any topics that you like to talk about? Uh, that's really kind of you, Rich. And you're one of my favourite audience members. That's <laughs> you're very kind. too weird a sentence. <laughs> I mean, if there's anyone watching this who don't know about the Always Be Comedy Club in Kennington, what is the pub called? Is it called the Kennington? It's called the Tommy Field. Tommy Field in yeah. Kennington. That's where yeah. I was getting confused. Um, it's... Uh, comics talk about that club as the kind of the holy grail of audiences because they are so they're compared by James Gill who is one of the greats and they're just so up for it and there's such a good atmosphere in there it's a perfect shape for a comedy club because it's tight low ceiling everyone's like in there it's really communal it's like a it's beautiful yeah. and um we all love playing there we all get spoiled because we think our shows are better than they are and then we go and play them somewhere else and everyone's like, it's back in shit. No, <laughs> oh, Rich liked this. Um, but it's, it's, a good, it's a good one for the ego to play the, the always, uh, always be. That's great. And, um, um, yeah, so I generally talk about, uh, for a long time I've talked about sort of sexuality and sort of um, a lot of kind of camp stuff and I'm a lot camper on stage than I am in real life. It's a sort of, it's where kind of show me turns on. And I, I mean, when I'm pissed, I get camp as well, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not as camp as, I mean, it'd be ridiculous to be as camp as I am in real life. I wouldn't get anything done. But um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, talk about uh, that sort of stuff. But uh, increasingly, um, I talk about sort of socially justice things, I suppose. And when things have annoyed me um, yeah. about uh, the way LGBT people are treated or, um, when companies behave badly, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I've started talking about that more in my stand-up. And so um, I'm interested in uh, kind of playing with the rules of um, how you interact with institutions and authority, because I'm not, I'm not great with being told what to do. So I like to tell, I like to play with that and see how far I can go. What's, what's brilliant uh, in your act is that you use a PowerPoint to demonstrate <coughs> emails that you've sent on specific subjects and the more that you see on the PowerPoint the more the funnier it gets with your delivery and because presumably all these um, subjects happen to you because I've, I've got your book here with them all in um, yeah and uh, it, it is preposterous what what genuinely happens with the replies and everything that's and, yeah it's well, wonderful it's, thing. It's it's about um, volume because obviously a lot of people just don't respond or whatever. Yeah. Um, you just need a couple of people to bite, and yeah. when it happens, <laughs> very exciting. The thing is, I haven't done it for a while, and the people I've been trolling are people like um, uh, the head of Channel Four, <laughs> slightly, <laughs> slightly naughty because he gives me a lot of work. But um, this this a lot of this house is thanks to Channel Four. <laughs> Thank you, Channel Four. Um, 
he emailed me he because he's like the big dog and everyone's sort of frightened of him because obviously you know they want to get ideas commissioned or whatever um but i the minute somebody gets that kind of power i think right we have to play with this person um even if they are the one giving me all the work he emailed me <laughs> to um to, to thank me for um uh my uh, not thank me to congratulate me on a, on a nomination i had for an award so i replied as a pretend assistant that i'd created and said, Joe would like to thank you for your email and has asked me to pass on this letter, which I will post to you for your records. And then I had like a proper letter made up with like letterhead and all that. And it just said, Dear Ian Katz, thank you for your email. Regards, Joe Lyser. And, <laughs> and then I just printed it out and posted it to him as well. And he was like, thank you for your very interesting letter. I'll keep it on record. Like, so I, I like sort of pissing about with them, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, wasting it's, it's, it, it's such a good way of um, expressing what happens to you on stage, and it so engages the audience watching you. It's 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 fantastic. Um, to date, can you tell me what your worst comedy gig was? I I can't imagine you having many co worst comedy gigs. But um, have have you had any? Have you had any difficult ones? Oh yeah, that first one um, that, that I mentioned was really awful. I then did. I toyed with a lot of comics will do corporate gigs where you kind of go along to a you know a dinner or whatever, and you do a bit yeah. of you do a bit of a, 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 um, a bit of a turn. And um, I uh, I did I did one for Virgin Atlantic, which was pitched to me as being on a flight to Edinburgh. Everyone on the flight is knows there's going to be some comedy. They booked to see a comedy on a flight. It's going to be marvellous, going to have a great time. I get on the flight and they don't know there's any comedy. And there's also no PA system. They've got, I've got a microphone that's plugged into a thing with powered by AA batteries, a speaker. And I just have to stand up like a you know, like I'm a, going to take them hostage and start going <laughs> at them. And they're all business people going from London to Edinburgh. You know, they're all... And it was so awkward and horrible and... They'd, you know, got a whole PR team there. So they were filming it and they were like taking photos and they're expecting it to be this huge thing. And I just died on my ass. I just had a horrible time. Oh, and then mate. I had to sort of sit back down on the flight. It wasn't like I could leave the gig. <laughs> I then had to continue the rest of the journey. No. <laughs> it was monstrous. It was awful. Um, so yeah, not not good. Um, so now I don't, base, basically based on that, and I tried one more because my agent was like, corporates can be very lucrative. And I just tried one more and I hated it. And I just think there's something in my DNA that just doesn't want to work for business people, basically. <laughs> you know, if you run a business and you want, you know, you want to pay me hundreds of thousands of pounds to do your business thing, I immediately don't want to do it, even though there's all that money at stake or whatever. I know Jimmy Carl gets tens of thousands or whatever. <laughs> but um, I just, uh, I don't want to do it. No. So um, I've lost lots of <laughs> lots of money <laughs> um, because I can't, I don't want to work for the man. <laughs> um, when you uh, walk on stage, how do you cope with any nerves if you get any before? <clears throat> um I do always generally get nerves, and I think nerves are good. Mm. Um, they're like, you know, they show that you care and that you want things to go well and you're invested in the gig. So I think nerves are really good. And the minute you don't have nerves, then you should be doing something to frighten yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah. And um, what I've started to do with them is I've started to sort of see them as like 
they're, they're, nerves and like excitement are part of the same thing. And if you can sort of channel them in this like, oh, here we go, something's going to happen. You know, you sort of start to feel like it's a, you know, pre-party kind of feeling. Um, it can be wonderful. So actually, I kind of relish nerves. Yeah. And as I feel them come in, I'm like, okay, here we go, party's starting. And um, I quite I quite like that. Some, what is annoying, uh, what I've noticed is, particularly when I do telly, I don't know why, because when I, can, when I can, weirdly, when I can look an audience member in the face, that makes me feel calmer than yeah. if I'm looking at the barrel of a camera. That's One thing I've noticed happening when I'm looking at the barrel, I think it's because I feel like there's billions of people on the other end of it. So I kind of don't really know what to do with my face. And my face starts to do things on its own. And the first time I hosted live TV was Sunday brunch. And the minute we went live, I just started to like spasm here. I was like, welcome, <laughs> Stop. It probably wasn't noticeable, but I could just feel my face just like spasming. I was like, oh, great. That's just what we need. Um, and it, it calmed down after a while, but it is it's something clicks in. And um, I think it's good. Yeah. You just, you know, the first few gigs, your nerves almost cripple you. And some people just get so frightened by them, they don't do anymore. And I know comics that like, you know, vomit before most gigs and things because they get so frightened. Um, you know, I it's think, just I think nerves. I agree with you. I think I think every comedian has to have have them. It, I I can recall a story. I've I've seen so many great comedians over the years, and uh, I saw Ken Dodd many times, and uh, I saw him in Crew. I used to live in Crew, um, just for about six months to do some work there, and he played the Lyceum Theatre, and he yeah. was nervous the first half, and the first half was for him was a good three hours. And, yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, if you improve <laughs> for six months, that was most of the show, right? <laughs> and my mate who I was with said, oh, this is not very good. And I, I said, no, no, there's something else. Let's have a drink. So we had a drink at halftime. They went back on and he came back on. And he started doing jokes about newspapers. And two old ladies behind me, he said, he said, can anybody tell me what the newspaper is in crew? And they yelled out, it's the Chronicle. And I turned around and went, no, 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 it's the mail. And this went on for about five minutes and actually floored Ken Dodd. And he looked at me and laughing and he went, where are you from, sir? I said, Carlisle. <laughs> and he went, oh, I'll see you on Sunday then, because the, the old women are obviously right. <laughs> <laughs> and from then on, he took the piss out of me and his, his, his act um elevated he was far less nervous than he was first up. and i think in for him he needed somebody or something yeah. to react from and I, and and i think that's true of a lot of comedians once you're out there a lot of comedians tell me once they start they're fine yes. but it's the, it's 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 the building of the nerves and how you deal with it it's a, it's it's a fascinating question to ask because yeah it's what what uh, you just speaking there as well has just made me really miss live stand up. I, I mean, I've missed it over the last year, oh, yeah. on and off. But I'm really I'm really keen to get back to it yeah. now and start playing those gigs again. And well, I'm sure I'm sure we will, my friend, and I'll be there. Um, how do you remember all your routines? With, with very little effort, actually. <laughs> uh, the, the 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 hard thing is when you're writing them to remember the, all the bits that you've written to try and try out because yeah. I will, you know, I'll try and remember the delivery of one joke and then I'll get that out and I'll be like, oh, it worked or it didn't work. 
and I'll be more involved in the reaction to it than actually remembering the next bit. <laughs> so I think uh, I think I need to get better at that. I need to get better at like writing a routine and then right. learning it to then try out because I think I'll be more efficient as a kind of new uh, doing new material. But once I've got a laugh from something, it becomes almost like reflex that my yeah. body goes, my mind goes you've got to remember that because that got a laugh last time and that, that could be a real crutch. So it's, there's, it, the, the mind does it as a sort of um, survival technique to remember like that's, that works. So keep that. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So, so actually it's all done for me. Once it's funny, it's sort of, uh, it's yeah. all done. One of the greatest things in your act for me is your audience banter. And I think um, a, lo a lot of comedians have it, but you find you, you seem to be effortless with it. And it's a very good way for you to get the audience on your side because you're very warm and endearing on stage. You can mm. practically say anything to them. And that's that's the that's what that's what makes it work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, actually, when I've done uh tv stuff and you have to kind of tv stand up and you have to just go out and do the jokes and don't mess with the audience whatever i always find that really tricky because my rhythm is to go out and to kind of go hello and i might do like one opening line whatever to kind of get them on side but then it is a little bit about going oh nice to see you and yeah, doing yeah, and that's that's actually me calming down from the nerves, right? And kind of getting like going, oh well, nice, you know, having a chat, and then go, oh, there's a thing I wanted to tell you about, and then suddenly I'm into material. But if I don't have that little, and it only needs to be thirty seconds of me just having a like, oh yeah, whatever, then I I do, I do find it quite hard to just go straight into material. It feels almost feels rude uh, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. hello, here's a story. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? You're like. Hello, how are you? How are things? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Well, let me tell you how I am, actually. And it's a bit more conversational, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brilliant way, as I say, of, of getting an audience on your side because they warm to you and the bantering with you, you know, so, yeah. So, yeah, so. yeah, I think it's, um, and, and, and it makes them feel like, oh, this is a person who's present. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not someone who's just coming out and trotting out stuff they've done for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's in the room with us and is willing to be, because stand-up, unlike a lot of theatre, is it's, it's essential that the audience are there. And in theatre, they often ignore their audience. And yeah. stand-up, like, it's all about a reciprocal relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, you won the 2009 Chortle Student Comedian of the Year. Yeah, I did. And you were runner-up in the 2009 Laughing Horse New Act of the Year. Yeah. You were also a finalist at the BBC New Comedy Awards in 2012. Yeah. Describe these experiences. In other words, do you like entering comp comedy competitions? What do you think of them? Is, are, they, is there, are they a necessary element to a comedy career? I wouldn't say they're necessary, but um, they, uh, they're gigs. Yeah, yeah. And when you're starting out, you need as many gigs as you can get. And yeah. they're generally well-run gigs. So for me, it was just like, oh, well, I'll enter that because it would get me some stage time. Yeah. And if I win, great. Or if I do well, great. And so I entered loads more than that. Those are just the ones that, you know, I managed to do well at, but there are all sorts of comedy competitions. 
And I just treated them like gigs, you know, just thought, okay, you know, it could lead yeah. to something and it's an opportunity. And um, yeah, I sort of became a bit obsessed with doing them because uh, they were, you know, when, they were gar- guaranteed good, decent audiences with yeah. somebody who might give me advice afterwards. I might meet somebody, you know, it was, it was, um, did, I, I'm, I'm a pro them, yeah. Did you feel that when you did well in them, more work came along? Did you get more gigs as a result of them? I think so. I yeah. mean, particularly the Chortle one, I noticed, you know, the minute I won that, there were lots of cards being put in my hand from various agencies right. and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. whatever. So yeah. I, I definitely think that one was a good one. And the BBC one was good because that was on the radio as well. So yeah. it's a bit... Yeah. Right. Although I was beaten by Angela Barnes. That's just not on. It's just <laughs> not on. Absolutely. Yeah, Um but no, they, they, they were really, she was amazing that night, she actually. She is a great she, comedian. She was really funny, but also uh, really, she was asked quite an awkward question and she answered it really brilliantly. Um, <laughs> it was to do with being a woman in comedy. Oh. Uh, and I can't remember her answer to it. I can't even remember the question, no. but I remember just being like, fuck, that's good. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, good. yeah. And just off the cuff, it was really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I am. Um, I'm. I'm pro them. And when comics, you know, new comics ask about them, I just think, you know, treat them, treat them like a gig. If you do well, fab. And if not, then it was experience. Yeah, yeah. And they, if you did badly in them, it really doesn't affect anything. No. Nobody remembers that I, you know, didn't uh, do well in the. So you think you're funny semi-final? Nobody cares. Mm, you know. mm. Let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, I I move. I go to Edin- the Edinburgh Fringe every year. It's my holiday. I go there for a week, and I see about fifty shows a week. I'm exhausted by the time I've come back. I but bet. I have the best time. It's just the greatest time. What was your first Edinburgh festival like? Oh, oh, um, it was. Let me see if I can Google the, the long... <laughs> it was the Amuse Moose Hot Starlets. Right. And what that was was like a package show. You would do like one show every couple of days. Yeah. And it's not funny when you Google it. First first picture that comes up is old Joe. <laughs> Josh Whittacombe. There we are. And... <laughs> I wish I could find the flyer because that year was Josh Widdicombe. Wow. Catherine Ryan. Wow. Sean Walsh, Joel Bonnet, Ahir Shah. Wow. I mean, just so many people that have gone on to have um, careers in comedy and and good careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it was, yeah, just um, a kind of package show. So we would all do 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I think I was there for two, no, 10 days, maybe something like that. And I went with my friend Andy, who I went to school with, and he was my sort of sidekick. And um, we had a great time. I think he found it, I think I, it was slightly difficult for him because um, I was sort of, you know, running around being showbiz and he was sort of trying to kind of, uh, trying to have a nice holiday, essentially. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I've got to go and do this gig and I've got to go and meet this person or whatever. And, yeah. And, um, He's still, we're still very good friends, so I didn't do anything too wrong there. But I think I was just so ambitious. I was so, like, hungry for it. I was yeah, like, yeah. Well, let's get amongst this. What, and, um, what year was this that you first went? That's got to be... Uh, it's probably 2008 then, right, yeah. Right. 
My, well, maybe yeah, two thousand nine, around that time. Yeah, my my first one was two thousand and five, and um, I go up to Carlisle, my my home city, for the summer, and and so of course Edinburgh is only an hour away on the train. And when you step off the train, as soon as you step off at Haymarket, the atmosphere just hits you. It's amazing. And, oh, it's incredible. And and the first year I went, I thought I'm going to do this every year of my life. I am yeah. having the best time mm. here. And yeah. the amount of acts that I've seen in little tiny huts, and we saw yeah. we saw Michael McIntyre play a little hut for about thirty people. I saw John Bishop play four people on his first <laughs> gig. It's extraordinary, and it's like, and that, that's another reason for the blog. I, 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 over forty years, it's it's watching comedians develop that I love as well so and you're a classic example I've seen you so many times over the years you get yeah. better and better and better as I see it's 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 wonderful um, oh, I'm going in the right direction and that's good very much so um I first mm. saw your solo show that's the way aha aha Joe Lysett in yeah. 2015 at the Edinburgh Fringe which I thought was brilliant and extremely funny as many as as well as many wonderful performances for always be comedy tell me about your writing process and where you get your ideas from do you have any process or how do you construct a show yeah i mean i it's re i find it really hard still i think yeah. it's one of the hardest things to do is to write the standard um and nobody knows how to do it you ask people there was um um, Nihal, who hosts on Radio 5 Live, he messaged me and he's like, I'm interviewing Billy Connolly. Have you got any questions wow. for him? And I was like, yes, how do you write stand-up? Because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I've been doing it for 13, 14 years, whatever it is. I still don't know how to do it. And um, Billy Connolly's answer was something along the lines of, um, I don't know, I, I go on stage and write kind of when I'm up there. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help you. And I was like, if Conley can't help me, then there's no nobody can. Ardlow Hanlon said the same. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? So difficult. But the, I think it's gigging, really. Yeah. It's just loads of gigs, like always be, and nice gigs where you feel uh, just the audience will be on your side and give you a break if you lose, you know, where you are. Yeah. And and just keep doing those, trying out stuff. It's the only way to do it, basically. It's the only way. Do you do you have a notebook to write ideas down or a, or a recorder? Or yeah, something? so I, I jot down, like, if something funny happens or yeah. if I hear a phrase I want to play with or whatever, I'll jot that down in a notepad on my phone and I've got a big list of ideas. They go on forever. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, then it is really about... I can try and sit and write stuff uh, in, you know, at home or I've got this studio that I write in, but actually the best stuff is always... Um, kind of worked out on stage. Yeah. yeah. Or when I'm pissed. <laughs> but I had this day when I was writing, I think that show, that, that's why I had Joe yeah. Lysett, where I was like, I'm going to, um, I'm going to write today. I'm going to write today. My housemate was like, I'm going to the pub for lunch. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I'll come for lunch and then I'll come back. And then we got to the pub and was like, I'm going to have a pint. Do you want a pint? I was like, yeah, I'll have one pint, but if I have any more, then I'll have to write or whatever. And then he's like, I'm going to have another pint. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll have another pint. And then I ended up just getting totally shit-faced with him. Uh, we, <laughs> we, 
we refer to it as the best day ever because we just had this amazing day wandering around Birmingham getting pissed. But because I had that anxiety of like, I should be writing, I was still like trying to jot stuff down and yeah, thinking, yeah, what yeah. I'm do. and I ended up getting about 10 minutes of usable stuff from chatting with him, what things that happened in Birmingham that ended up in my final show. That's so brilliant. actually getting pissed does sort of work. <laughs> yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's good advice for a lot. <laughs> um, you've appeared many times on TV and radio over the years, most notably your brilliant consumer show, Joe Lysett's Got Your Back, which I yeah. love. Um, you've also been on Live at the Apollo and you've been a guest on Taskmaster. And you've also been on Just a Minute for Radio 4, as well as, yeah. well as many other things. What are the differences you do you think of working in TV and radio as opposed to live stand up? Um, I was going to say something, and I am going to say it because uh, it's, sl it's slightly facetious. But working in uh, no, it's not actually working in radio and TV is not as good. Basically, uh, it's. It's amazing in other ways, but nothing captures the live stand-up thing. What it is amazing at is scale in terms of you can do, you can make stuff happen that you couldn't with live stand-up. For example, Joe Lice has got your back. I couldn't have achieved a lot of the uh, stuff that I did on that show just with a stand-up show. Yeah. Because you kind of need to, you need, um, yeah, resources and... Um, and, and lots of people watching something at once. Mm. Uh, and I'm really interested in live telly. I really want to do more live telly because I think live telly of old used to be really good. It's got quite safe these days. And I used to love those old school shows that were live and felt like anything could happen and yeah. captured that live thing. So if there is a way of doing it on telly and, and I'd love to get to it. But... Um, it's uh, a lot of it's really fun like panel shows are really fun because you're working with other people and it's um, stand up is very solitary and it's just you and then you throw to somebody else so that you're kind of you, you're doing a communal thing and that like you go oh they were hard work or whatever but um, you're not um, you're not working with the other people and you're not bouncing off and I love that about panel shows that you can say something and somebody will grab that ball and they'll throw it higher and then you've got to try and get it higher still and it's really um it's really fun that yeah, so yeah. I, do, I do love a panel show for those that that reason um and it also gives you breathing space so sometimes I think what I can be quite good at on panel shows is not like being um a big kind of not telling big long anecdotes but like chipping in on other people's and asking <laughs> yeah. quest silly questions and being kind of deft with people so um it plays to different skills i suppose i've, um, been, I've been to many uh panel show recordings and i've been to a lot of tv recordings we used to go to parkinson all the time and i used to love him he 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 just went straight through and there was no messing and that's what i liked you know it was job done um, yeah. uh, one of the greatest recordings I ever went to was um, the, uh, the a recording of Have I Got News For You and it was with Bruce Forsyth and oh, no, nobody, man, that was an amazing nobody, nobody knew and um, uh, um, there was a bit in it it was the first time he did it and it was the one where 
he was trying to read an autocue and he goes da 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 and I am crying with laughter above Ian Hislop's head and he turns around and he goes please please this is satire well you, you couldn't stop me <laughs> laughing and I am on video forevermore <laughs> it was just wonderful when brilliant. it's done well it was great it, 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 yeah. it's, it, it, it's a joy to see but I agree. I agree. And that's interesting what you say about him because he, um, I really hate doing pickups when I'm hosting TV shows. Yeah. That's why I want to do live TV as well because you can't do a pickup. No. Pickup is when they go at the end and go, oh, we'll do that again because you fluffed a word in it. And it's just like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And Graham Norton, Graham Norton has agreed to pick up. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot, a lot that. Um, because because they're doing a joke and then they have to do a joke again and you have to laugh in the same spot it it, it just yeah. doesn't work um, right. but but um as i say when it's done well it's done great yeah. um uh do you have any ambitions as a comedian do you would you like uh your own chat show would you like uh, uh would you like your own quiz show would you like to be a quiz show host no, thanks. <laughs> Is there a reason why? <laughs> um, nothing against quiz shows, but they just don't. I, 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 I did one, and I really enjoyed making that. That was with Alison Hammond. Yeah. Uh, it didn't get recommissioned, and um, I was sad for the team on it because it was a really good idea. Right. Um, uh, I was sort of quietly glad for myself because I kind of. I'd got the experience from it and I'd had a good experience, but I knew that I didn't want that to be the main thing that I did, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, um, so uh, I am more interested in doing stuff like Got Your Back, which can have like a real sort of effect on things and you yes, can really yeah, be yeah. naughty with it. And there's something about quiz shows that feel a bit old fashioned to me and also a bit... Um, uh, I don't know what the word is really. I feel like there could, there's there's better uses of my comedy, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I am interested in and I'm, I'm ambitious about is what I said before is about doing a live something. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I think that will capture the feeling of the live stand-up thing, I think, if you get it right. Yeah. And I just think telly doesn't have anything quite... I think the closest it gets to it is Sunday brunch. Sunday brunch is, like, feels a bit dangerous and feels a bit fun and, like, you, you tune in and you just kind of can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, it is. Um, it's the it's the unpredictability and that and that, that is live stand-up as well. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're seeing a live stand-up show... You're you're only with that group of people in the one room, and anything can happen. It, exactly. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. So I would like to do something live. I'd like to host something live. Mm, mm, mm. That's great. Well, I'm sure you will. I'm sure. Who knows? You will. Who knows? You we'll will. see. I'm sure. Um, we're all living in strange times. It's been a bloody awful year. Um, how have you found any online gigs? Have you done any online gigs as opposed no. to live gigs? No, I haven't. I tell you what, uh, and I, I, I feel sad about that because um, Always Be asked me about it and right. James did about doing Always Be. And quite a few really nice gigs that I like doing in, in the real world 
asked me to do it and I just sort of felt um, it wasn't I hadn't trained at it no you know what I mean I just felt like um, uh, when particularly when the first lockdown kicked in I was so tired I'd been working on Got You Back and a few other things I just thought I just need actually a bit of a break anyway yeah. what I've done quite a lot of and what I've really enjoyed is podcasts and interviews and I've done a lot of that instead and I found that really fulfilling actually and right. I love talking about comedy and kind of being a bit more reflective about it yeah yeah so, yeah. Um, so I've just done a lot more of that really and that's that's kind of itched scratched the itch but I think there will be you know I will need to I do need to do some live stand-up now I did some I did two gigs in the summer when we were allowed at the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre yeah and that really fun um I I totally agree with you. I think I think it's an excellent substitute uh, on uh, online comedy, but you can't be live comedy. Um, no. Uh, and and I I I go to online every night, just about Monday to Friday. And if if it wasn't there, I don't know how it would have got through lockdown. But um, yeah. the the first time that they did it, um, certainly it always always be comedy, and there was no audio. So, so I was just laughing in uh, to myself in silence, and I, th I literally I thought I was going to be taken away because I was just laughing at Paul. <laughs> but then he had then he had the genius idea of opening the up the audio, so he's got like a virtual front row that he can chat to, and it gives the comedians um, uh, that can hear the laughter, and then they've got the rest of them. And a lot of them have followed on. I go to um, the Return of the Crack, Jarlath Regan's one on a Friday night. I sometimes go to um, Happy Monday, Sean James one. And for what they are now, they are very good. But but please, please, please bring back live comedy. I I, I, I love going to a pub, having a few beers with some friends and then laughing out loud at a comedy show live. Yeah. Please, yeah. it's got to come back. Um, yeah. who are your favourite comedians past and present oh my god there's so many <laughs> it's it's a killer question I know <laughs> I mean uh, the, I mean, I love people uh, that do stuff that I don't so I love people like Frankie Boyle and Gary Delaney yeah. and uh, like people like Tim Vine that um, you know oh, do like brilliant. kind of silly one liners it's brilliant um, I love all that myself. I think Sarah Millican is one of the kind of um, one of the real greats in terms of she is just a a joke machine, yeah. but delivered in such a kind of um, unique way. Yeah. Um, I always love like, she's been amazing to me. I just always love working with her as well because she's just so generous as a uh, as a comic and as a person. Um, Paul Foote was a great inspiration for me early doors um, uh, Sarah Kendall I used to watch one of yeah. her stand-up sets loads uh, Alan Carr yeah. Lee Mack I used to basically all of the people that uh, did Live with Apollo I used to watch their sets over and over and kind of Brilliant. obsessed about them um, of the new generation people like Rosie Jones is just oh, phenomenal so funny yeah Love working with her. Um, uh, Mawan Rizwan, I think, is really good. Um, God, there's so many. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to, basically anyone who's been booked on Taskmaster. I was just thinking, because that's what I was watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the reason the reason why I ask it is that there is a section in my blog called the ones that got away and I and there's 25 comedians that I've written about who um, have either sadly passed on or um, uh, I haven't been able to see and top of the tree are Morecambe and Wise because uh, yeah. they're the reason why I I love comedy I um, uh, but I have seen the first gig I ever saw was Les Dawson age seven at Scarborough and I saw Tommy yeah. Cooper the two Ronnies and then into the 80s there's so many but um, into the 80s I saw Rick Mail at Carlisle that was a highlight Wow. Um, Frank Skinner, Victoria Wood, French and Saunders, and every one of them ha has such a great memory for me, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about writing the blog. I hope it comes out w in the writing and in the interviews. And yeah, I it does so clearly. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. I I, uh, I just love your what you offer for the comedy community. It's a it's an invaluable resource. And um, you need to like turn it into a book or something so that people can kind of. It was originally going to be a book, but I couldn't afford the publishing rights. It was going to cost me about ten grand, which I haven't got, because because it was it was they were going to have to do two or three volumes. I may yet do it, but I'm trying to transfer everything from the book, so it's way back into the blog, and so the blog is a massive resource. And, oh, it's, yeah. and it's immediate you see so so yeah yeah and thank you for your kind words um like me do you when like me before you were a comedian did you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience yeah loads so i went to after i played at the comedy store in manchester um i uh doing that those first couple of gigs i made friends with the sound man there who basically gave me a free pass whenever I wanted to go. Oh, and brilliant. so I'd work in the theatre, um, the Palace Theatre there, selling ice creams. Right. And I would, um, after the show, I would go and watch the late show at the Comedy Store. And I'd go most Saturdays and I'd wow. absorb what was happening there. And I, I just loved being there. And I'd sit there on my own with a pint, yeah. happily just watching it, getting pissed, yeah. and did that for, you know, months on end, basically. Um, and and if you're on a comedy bill, do you stay and watch all the acts? Uh, n not all the time. Yeah. Often I'm comparing, so I generally do. If it's in Birmingham, I definitely will. Yeah. It depends if I've got to get back, basically. Right. Um, but um, I try to because I think it's really good to watch other comics, and um, I think it's just it's the way you work out what's happening you know what people are actually what what's grinding people's gears what the general kind of state of the the nation is yes, you can kind yeah, of tell yeah. in comedy clubs what people are laughing at yeah, yeah. um so it's it's quite useful to watch um other stand-ups yes of course it is um, and so fun though because there's oh, you know, a load of brilliant ones out there yeah um just before we go, and I could talk to you all night, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Likewise. Um, uh, is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, where can people find you on social media? Do you have any gigs planned? Have you got any writing planned? Are you writing any more books? <laughs> hey! Thank you for buying it. <laughs> Thank you for writing it. <laughs> 
It's weird that because I feel like it sort of um, exists with independently of me. I suppose it does. But I don't. I don't. I don't remember the hardship of writing it now. It was you know hard to write a book, but at the time I was like, you know. Um, but now I kind of um, kind of go, oh yes, that old thing. Um, <laughs> I'm writing a lot. I've got a lot of ideas going. The thing that I'm doing while I'm waiting for other stuff to start happening is um, I'm making some short, silly short films, comedy short films. Right. Um, I've always wanted to make little films, and um, this felt like a good opportunity to do it. So uh, I'm doing one next month, actually. Uh, and I, I really enjoy writing them. They're like long sketches, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy writing them. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them realised, actually. So um, that's sort of what's keeping me going at the minute. That sounds um, fantastic. Really so good. I don't, I don't know what I'll do with them. They might be shit, so I don't, you know, I might just throw them in a well. But um, <laughs> if they're good, I think I'll, you know, it'll be a little thing that I do alongside everything else. Um, is there, is there going to be another series of Got Your Back? Yes, there is. Great. We're, working on it now and actually that's the main thing I would like people to kind of um, uh, to know is that if you have um, an issue that's uh, a company is messing you around or um, you feel there's been an injustice uh, that we maybe can help with then there's an email address which is it's not catchy it's got your back at rumpusmedia.co.uk <laughs> If you can remember that, then great. You're never going to forget like, that. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're looking for, you know, particularly stuff, that, you know, people that have been messed around in lockdown and furlough issues and all of that. Yeah. We are absolutely up for hearing about that. So, and are um, you writing a tour show for when lockdown is lifted? I'm writing stand up. Yeah. Uh, and I think eventually I'll do a tour, yeah, yeah. inevitably yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, but that sort of feels a little bit further off. There won't be anything this year. This yeah. year will be going back and getting back into live clubs, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, get yeah. my teeth again with, you know, Always Be and all of these clubs that I love. I want to yeah. just go back and do those. And where can um, people find you on social media? Joe Lysit, at Joe Lysit on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of them. <laughs> I'm on TikTok, but I don't really use it. No, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, am I on anything else? No, I don't think so. No. Well, Tinder and Grinder. I'm on Tinder and Grinder. <laughs> well, um, I for one will be first in the queue to come and see you live again because, as I say, I think you're one of my favourite comedians. And thank you so much for doing this. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. A pleasure and an honour. And, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. And I really look forward to performing for you again, Rich. Thank you so much for your time. And all the best to you. And you, Rich. Thank Stay you. Stay safe. Control the virus.